is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. The past several hours, we've seen Israel hitting the northern part of Gaza from the air, the ground, and the sea. Some massive explosions shaking the entire ground. Still the roar of Israeli fighter jets overhead. There was a lot of drone activity here along the border earlier. Yeah, so it is game on now. For the better part of two weeks, we've been hearing about the imminent ground incursion. It's on. Uh, The the. Past couple of days have been the precursor with some of the initial marches into Gaza and then pulling back. The IDF is engaging and they're engaging on all fronts. That Fox's Trey Yinks, who's done some incredible reporting uh, over the past couple of weeks, as a lot of the uh, folks at Fox have been doing. Going to talk about the fallacy of a two state solution. And how the Israel-Hamas war really is still about Islam. Not a new conversation. I mean, heck, it's a conversation uh, that I've specifically been having for well over 20 years at this point. It's a perspective I've shared with you on occasion on this show as well. And it is central to what really is going on over there. That very well might have us on, I don't know, the precipice of World War III. I mean, it certainly doesn't feel good where all this stuff is trending, right? And that's a large part because, well, Iran isn't just Iran, right? Iran is Russia. Iran is China. Iran is North Korea with little rocket man. Iran is Venezuela. Iran is Cuba. Iran is is Nicaragua. And, And it works interchangeably. So China is all those things in Russia. You get the idea. We got a lot going on, and getting to the root of it is important. As always, two sides to stories and one side to facts. And I am Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Always an honor and a privilege to uh, to be here with you. And a topic that I've been personally passionate about ever since 9-11, as I tried to understand what the heck would be wrong with people to such an extent that they would carry out atrocities like that. And the education that I ended up coming by in in the years following 9-11, the ongoing education to this very day, and the conversation is as politically incorrect as it gets. Because where the facts point to, a very uncomfortable place, and a very uncomfortable place that involves, in some cases, literally your neighbors. You know, the same people that get out there and protest on behalf of Hamas. Those folks. Now, uh, you can follow me socially at Brian Mudd Radio pretty much everywhere. I think actually everywhere these days. And I uh, also encourage you to check out the podcast as well, The Brian Mudd Show. I host The Brian Mudd Show from my home station, WJNO, in West Palm Beach. As we get going, we are talking about the fallacy of a two-state solution. So, on Wednesday... During an ever rare presser in which he fielded a grand total of only a few questions, President Biden was asked about the Israel-Hamas war and what comes next. His answer, there's no going back to the status quo as it stood on October 6th. 
That means Hamas can no longer terrorize Israel and use Palestinians as human shields. Okay, good. This is good. First part of the answer, yay. All right. And then he said, it also means, uh uh-oh, when the crisis is over, there has to be a vision of what comes next. And in our view, it has to be a two-state solution. Ah, yes, the two-state solution. And so this proves two things. First, that it is seemingly impossible for Joe Biden to ever articulate two consecutive intelligence sentences. And second, that our dear president, Dementia Joe, has evidently once again forgotten his history. History is really important at the onset of this conversation. So let's walk back to 1948, pretty critical year in this entire ball of wax. Under terms agreed to in 48, under the United Nations General Assembly, the lands that comprise modern-day Israel and the current Palestinian territories, well, they were designated to create an Arab territory and a Jewish state. It was on May 15th of 1948 that Israel was officially recognized by the United Nations as a state. So the Palestinian territories were governed by two nearby Arab governments, Egypt and Jordan. That continued until June of 1967, when Israel's influence expanded in the region, including holding influence over what then became known as the occupied Palestinian territories. So this is where that whole song and dance comes from. Okay, And the Israel occupation in the disputed Palestinian territories continued until 1993, when the Israeli military withdrew from most of the territory and recognized the Palestine Liberation Organization. You know this as the PLO, right? And this happened through the Oslo Accord. And at that point, at that moment in time, in 1993, the Oslo Accord, the goal by many world leaders, including Israel's government at the time, this was Israel's position, a two-state solution. It does sound like it's the best Idea, right? However, almost immediately what happened? Uh Uh-oh. PLO leader Yasser Arafat, he supported terror operations against the Israelis. So they're like, hold on, you're going to legitimize us? This is great. I think we'll start killing some Jews. So as a result, Palestine was not officially recognized as a state by the United Nations. And the region continued to be viewed through the prism of territories, the Palestinian territories by the West. And what political movement supplanted the the terror-sponsoring PLO as the leaders of the Palestinian territories? I mean, you know who it is, right? It's the even more radical terrorist Hamas. So you have a terror sponsor and the PLO... And who do the Palestinian people, who do they decide should govern them going forward? The even more radical terrorist. Isn't that fun? See, they overwhelmingly were voted into power by the Palestinian people in 2005. And in January of 2006, Hamas took over. And the last time we had any data on this 
What percentage of the Palestinian people do you think were supportive of Hamas? This goes back to some Pew research. 75%. So one of the big fallacies in this two-state solution, and it's central to the bigger conversation here, you hear around every turn, oh, the poor Palestinian people, all the, the poor people who are victims of Hamas. I mean, are there some? Yeah. I mean, near as we can tell, about a quarter of them. That's it. The Palestinian people literally voted, asked, and still overwhelmingly support Hamas. I mean, I'm sorry. Facts. Damn facts. So let's say for a minute that Israel does eliminate Hamas, which is a gigantic if. The Palestinian territories would what? Go back to rule under the slightly less terroristic governance of the PLO, these days led by Mahmoud Abbas, that ever peaceful man. And with three quarters of the Palestinian population supportive of Sharia law, which means no Jews. I mean, it means no you either, no matter who you are, if you don't see the world through their vision of Sharia. But first and foremost, we've got to get rid of the Jews. But anyway, so that that is what you can work with to create a state. So back to you, Mr. President, because the only way there can be a two-state solution is if the Palestinian territories are pretty much replaced with non-Palestinian people. Yeah, Because it's kind of hard to have two states that are side-by-side side when... The people of one state really just are bent on killing the people in the other one. I mean, really kind of hard to to make that thing work. And yes, this whole thing is still about Islam, which is the root issue here. So let's talk about that a little bit. This being about Islam. As you have the horrific images and horrific stories that have emerged from Hamas's terror attacks. What you really witness there is that it's as clear as ever. It's clear as clear can be that you are witnessing a battle between good and evil, right? Babies beheaded, utterly burned alive. All those teens mowed down by the hundreds from behind. Women raped until they can't be raped anymore. I mean, it's horrific, right? It's as evil as evil gets. But what's happened in Israel is a brand of evil that is anything but new. Anything but new. Only the exact tactics and how these acts of terror have been carried out are are new. It's the only aspect of it. In fact, did you know the current death toll from Hamas's terror attacks, you have over 1,400 people killed, over 30 of which uh, uh, Americans, the initial terror attack. You know that Hamas's ter- terror attacks in Israel only account for 16% of the Islamic terror deaths in the world so far this year. That's it. See, thus far this year, there have been 1,396 Islamic terror attacks carried out across 48 countries, resulting in the death of 8,536 people. And the reason that this is almost certainly news to you 
is due to the willingness of news organizations around the world. Eh, just look the other way in the face of Islamic terrorism. Because, you know, most of the acts of terror, they're, they're carried out in the Middle East and in parts of Africa against Christians and Jews. But in places where it, it's usually easy for them just to pretend it didn't happen. For example, did you know just a couple days ago in a small village of Christians in the Congo. Islamic terrorists marched in at night, slaughtering at least 26 people, just wiped out the entire village. It's believed that the death toll is higher, but only 26 bodies have been recovered. Terrorism is a way of life for many, because this is still about Islam, and most specifically, those who adhere to it under Sharia law, which is strict Islamic law. And it's in part due to ignorance and in part due to political correctness that most people still don't have the first clue what hardcore Islamists stand for. You've been conditioned to believe that terrorists, eh, they're not really Islamists, and and that the, the rest of the hardcore Islamists, they just want sunshine and lollipops, hence two-state solutions and things like that. None of that's true. Islam is full of sex, not unlike other religions. What's different is what we call terrorism. What we call terrorism in the Quran is called for by Muhammad himself, and it's carried out through Sharia law. We'll pick up there. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals a group called Within Our Lifetime that organized the protest that we saw unfold here in the financial district. Hundreds of people poured into the street just in front of the New York Stock Exchange to demonstrate. And the NYPD says that crowd reached roughly 2,000 as they marched through lower Manhattan. And Fox has confirmed that demonstrations included burning an American flag. Now, within our lifetime is an anti-Zionist group which believes that Palestinians have the right to return to what they say is their homeland. And some, like the Anti-Defamation League, say that means this group wants to eliminate Israel. Yeah, that gives you the uh, warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? Lydia Hugh, Fox Business there on that report. That went down today in Manhattan. A couple thousand people that are say, yeah, you know, take back our our homeland there, which means, yeah, you know, Israel's gone, Jews gone. Yeah, so the thing is, this is still about Islam. And when Islam is practiced under Sharia law, it's evil, period. Now, the uncomfortable piece 
that we're going to get to in a second, just how many people are into Sharia law. That's the real devil in the devilish details here. Uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And so we talk about this. I'm going to walk you back first to a piece of research from 2013, 10 years ago, because it's going to be instructive, not just with where this country was, in addition to other countries a decade ago, but I got some updated research that will really make you go, hmm, about just how much has happened in a decade, about just how radical a lot of people have become in a decade. So if we walk back first to 2013, the Pew Research Center studied Muslims in 39 countries. And on the question of suicide bombings, what do you think about suicide bombings? Do you think suicide bombings or other like attacks on civilians can be justified? Back in 2013, at least 8% of Muslim populations in every one of those 39 countries they studied said, yep, justified. I mean, that, that's the first thing that makes you go, hmm, right? You could go to cosmopolitan countries all around the world, find Muslims, and at least 8% of them go, yeah, suicide bombings? Oh, yeah, I could totally be justified. In the United States, our number was 14%. 10 years ago, 14% of American Muslims said that suicide bombings like bombings were justified. Which again, helps to explain some of the pro-terrorist rallies that have been held across this country. But again, I think your jaw will drop when I give you where we are today. But I want to explain just some of the back backstory here. Because for most folks, you can't begin to imagine how anybody could ever be wired to think that's okay. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like right there in the book. This is one of those real difficult things. So let's take a look. If you take a look at the Quran, its chapters are known as surahs. And when you get into the surahs, you find all kinds of, well, instructions. And the instructions that you find actually sound an awful lot like the acts of terror that we've become familiar with over the past few decades. So I'm going to fill you in on that next and take your calls as well. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. Where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. 
Over the past 48 hours, the Israelis have conducted a number of raids inside Gaza, but they have been limited ground incursions, entering, destroying Hamas and Islamic Jihad cells, and then pulling out with those troops. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's limited anymore. So that's what happened over the prior two days. It looks like the full ground incursion that had long been anticipated. Looks like it's underway right now. And you know, so here on out, stuff gets especially real. And the question then becomes, okay, how big does this get as we have been taking fire? And I say we as in the United States, our forces overseas for a couple of weeks from Iran, finally doing like a little half maneuver yesterday you know a couple of airstrikes at a, a couple of munitions facilities in theory and uh, in, in, but in the grand scheme of things the potential for this to get big is there we'll talk more about that as we get further into the show brian mudd in for the great one mark levin and uh, speaking of the great one you have a twofer two life liberty and levins first one tomorrow saturday eight o'clock eastern time fox news channel you get uh, my governor, presidential candidate Ron DeSantis, and Robert Greenway. Uh, they'll, they're the guests with, with Mark. And then on Sunday, you have Ines Cantor Freedom and Alabama's Senator Katie Britt. That'll be on for Life, Liberty, and Live In. So go ahead and hit the DVR uh, for both nights. Make sure you don't miss those if you don't happen to catch them live. Always catch them on demand. All right, so been talking about this still being about Islam and the surahs in particular from the Quran. It's really important to know what's actually in the book. It helps explain how people get motivated. And so in Surah 9-5, you will find this, and I quote, So when the sacred months expire, kill the mushriks. That word is interpreted means believers and other gods okay so when the sacred months expire kill the believers and other other gods wherever you find them and catch them and besiege them and sit in ambush for them everywhere okay so the whole concept of a terrorist attack the ambush attack the surprise what we've seen over and over again including what we saw in israel where does that come from? Right there in the Quran, Surah 9-5. The instructions on that being what you do. It says, when the forbidden months are over, wherever you encounter the idolaters, kill them, seize them, besiege them, wait for them at every lookout post. I know that ever peaceful Muhammad guy, right? In Surah 47-4, it says this. When you meet the unbelievers in the battlefield, strike off their heads. Yeah, so if you wonder, hey, where did they get this whole like beheading thing? Why did that become a thing with Islamic terror? It's right there in the book. 47.4. In Surah 476, it says this. The true believers fight for the cause of God, but the infidels fight for the devil. Fight then against the friends of Satan. And you also have Surah 4829, which states, Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, and those with him are forceful against the disbelievers. Merciful among themselves. That's nice, isn't it? All, all, all like kumbaya, as long as you view the world the, the way that I do. Otherwise, you, you die. 
by really awful means, most commonly. So yeah, you, you see the Quran, which has been around for 1,500 years, has always called for and continues to call for acts that we recognize as terror against everyone who isn't, you would say, with Muhammad. Now, the difference is, with folks that are not animated by terror, but are Muslim versus the folks that are, Sharia law. If you believe in Sharia law, you believe in that stuff. If you look the other way, then, then you go, well, I don't know about that stuff. Now, in terms of the percentages, how many Muslims are actually going along with Sharia law these days? I'll bring that to you here in just a bit. But first, let's go to Tyler in Washington. Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, this is Tyler. Can you hear me? Got you loud and clear. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So I've been a long listener. First time I got in in, I don't know, 18 years. But my my whole point is uh, Mark Levin, in one of his shows 18 years ago, he told me about the historical fact of the werewolves that Hitler hired from uh, the Islamic Caliphate to come in and kill Jews and drag them out of their villages and houses at night and slaughter them. And it's history repeating itself. I can't believe my ears. Uh, Have we learned nothing from the history? These savages want to just kill at women. Everything that you mentioned out of their own book, they're doing. Why are we surprised? Yeah, 100%, Tyler. Appreciate the call. Good call. That's right. It's the same today as it was 1,500 years ago, as it was September 11th, 2001. You know, that's the issue. And the problem is twofold. First, how many people have actually read this stuff? Right? For me, what it was, I have always fashioned myself as the facts guy. Right, two sides to stories, one side to facts. Early on in my career, which around 9-11 was early on in my career, I just kind of went along with it all. You know, when the, we made the pivot into Iraq, and you take out Saddam Hussein, and then things don't work out the way that we think. Why is it, given an opportunity, the Iraqis didn't seize it and, and want... A semblance of freedom, their version of it, but a semblance of freedom the way that we would would want or, you know, even quasi freedom the way that most of Europe will adhere to. Why? We, we just gave you this shot at it. Why did things in Afghanistan turn out the way that they did? Why didn't people stand up and, and fight for their freedom and for belief? It's because their belief systems. 180 degrees different in many cases to the point to where what we identify as terror is them carrying out their religion. That is an immovable object. And people not knowing that is a huge issue, which segues into the next part of it, which is political correctness. The most politically incorrect thing in the world is to point out that almost all of the Palestinian people are behind this. Anywhere you turn in news media, just about, including a lot of talk radio. They're portrayed as the victims, Palestinians. No, I mean, not really. Again, approximately a quarter of them genuinely are. But that's about it. The rest of them are actually the perps. And if they're not the perps, they voted and support the perps. Inconvenient truth. 
So these are the issues that we deal with. And it's why facts matter. And it's why these conversations need to be had. Uh, Because otherwise, to to your point, Teller, it's just history repeating itself. Let's go to Fred in Los Angeles. Fred, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, um, I'm glad that you are quoting from a religious text. But I want to quote from a a different religious text called the Old Testament. And after Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden... The Bible says that death came into the world through sin. And we don't talk about sin much, especially on talk radio. But you look at our society, you look at all the sin that's being promoted. I'm talking about abortion. I'm talking about gay marriage. I'm talking about the sexualization of our our kids. I'm talking about feminism. I'm talking about the commercialization of pornography, the spreading of pornography. I'm talking about the, the debt. Now, you might say that, well, what's the big deal about... The, the debt. No, if you go into debt, that's that's a sin, you know. And 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 what uh, the government is doing, printing of money and debasing or demon or yeah, debasing our currency, making it less than what it is, you know, devaluing it. That's a sin as well. And when you look at all these movements, these anti-biblical movements, these sinful movements, you see that Jews are at the forefront of all of them. Jews are at the forefront of promoting divorce in the country, abortion, gay marriage, all the ones that I mentioned before, and we never talk about that. And the thing about sin is that people don't die immediately from sin. It's, it's a slow process, you know, but our society is dying. And it's because of all the sin that's been inundated into our culture. You know, hey, Fred? Yeah, no, and look, I, I, I think that your interesting and, and provocative call and thoughtful uh, call is important as well. And I hear you and I understand. But... If you're going to go down the path of the the Old Testament, and if you're going to segue into Christianity, which is is what you're doing, then we also have to realize that bigotry is a no-go. Because, my friend, that is also a sin. Hate and bigotry is also a sin. See, one of the more difficult things... I'll have these conversations about Islam, for example, and the most easy thing for people to reach and do is go, oh, you're a bigot, you're, you're full of hate, everything. No, I'm presenting you with the facts, okay? And, and I do take a position that killing other people, killing innocent people, torturing innocent people, that's bad, that's wrong, right? So that would be about the extent of my opinion, but everything else is just simply a fact that we must deal with. And so... I don't hate Muslims, by and large. I do think we've got an enormous problem that have no solution to with people that think that, you know, Sharia law is a go. But for the folks who also will take the opportunity to go, yeah, but the Jews and, and look at their way of life and everything else. Okay, well, I mean, if you want to travel down that path, the day that you become perfect, uh, you know, let me know. Let me know. The day you're done sinning, you know, you, you can go ahead and cast all those stones you want. Otherwise... I think you make a very intellectual point on one hand and completely undermine your argument on the next. And so I think it's important to deal with everything in context. On the greater point about sin in this world and everything else from a religious perspective, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I've often talked about the Department of Education, including on this show, on numerous occasions, talked about you know, the Department of Education being at the root of it. And if you go back to the 64 Supreme Court ruling striking down religion and schools, and then you take a look at the Department of Education coming about in 1980, making sure that it happened at all public schools across the country, 
you take a, you draw a straight line between the loss of a belief in a higher power of any sort in this country. You can draw a straight line in the increase in mental health disorders. You can draw a straight line in violence. All things that are sin, all things that are bad. The bottom line is that a sense of morality, which is rooted in the Judeo-Christian values this country was founded upon, that sense of morality is good for everybody. You can be an atheist and you benefit from it. And we've gotten away from that as a society. And I say that, you know, very specifically in this country. But of course, there are incarnations of that all over the world. So, you know, in the greater context of, of what you're talking about there, I, I, I think uh, I, I think there yeah, I think you're halfway there with a heavy dose of bigotry that that probably should be overcome. All right. Now. About this conversation being about Islam, about the percentage of people who believe in Sharia law and what we're really taking a look at here across the Middle East and also what people believe right here in this country these days, how radicalized so many people in our country have become. I have that for you next. I'm Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals we don't know if this is the highly anticipated ground operation into the Gaza Strip. We do know the Israelis have ramped up their strikes on the northern and central part of Gaza, hammering the Strip with both artillery, their navy, and those airstrikes. They're trying to hit some of the tunnel systems and different Hamas cells near to the border. But this is the heaviest fire we've, we've heard and we have seen since this war began 21 days ago. Yeah, Fox's Trey Yings reporting, Brian Mudd in for Mark Levin. And we're talking about what really is going on here. What really is behind this? Why a two-state solution hasn't worked? Why a two-state solution is not going to work? However this story ends... It's just not going to work because the people on one side don't want it to work because the people on one side overwhelmingly think the people on the other side like should die and often in horrible, terrible ways. You might say that Islam under Sharia law is like the ultimate, you know what, you're either with us or against us type of thing. And again, this is why for 1500 years, people have been slaughtering people, torturing people. Oh, well, chanting God is great. 
Because as always, there are two sides to stories and one set of facts. And these happen to be the facts about what's called for by Muhammad and the Quran. So about Sharia, because this really is where the rubber meets the road here. I've cited a a Pew Research study from a decade ago. In that study, it found that 80% of Muslims in Asia follow and favor Sharia law. 80%. If you take a look at the African countries in the Middle East, 64 to 74% based upon country, anywhere from 64 to 74% of Muslims in African countries and in Middle Eastern countries favor Sharia law. And how about the Palestinian territories? How about ground zero for Hamas? 75%. Even higher than the neighboring countries. So in other words, for the largest Muslim populations in the world, extremism isn't the minority opinion. It's not the minority position. If you take a look at what most of these countries are governed by, it is actually Sharia law. And even though Palestine is not a country, it's a series of territories with Hamas as the governing body, as a terrorist organization. I'm going to walk you back to an NBC news story from January 29th, 2006. The headline to the story, Hamas says it will use Islamic law as guide. The lead line to this story, again, this is January 2006, quoting, Hamas will use Sharia as a guide for legislation after winning Palestinian elections. That's exactly what they've always done. And by the way, looking back on the nearly 18-year-old story, you have this near the conclusion. NBC says, although Hamas is formally committed to destroying Israel. I like that. Although, you know, they're formally committed to destroying Israel, it has said it could accept a temporary state and a long-term truce if Israel gave up all of the West Bank and East Jerusalem following the withdrawal from the Gaza Strip. My favorite part is that NBC reported that with kind of like a straight face. I mean, yes, their dedicated goal in life is destroying Israel, but we'll take a truce for a little while. I mean, they really do think you're stupid. Hey, by the way, make sure you get your copy. The Democrat Party Hates America. Levin's latest bestseller, Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Another attack against a U.S. position in the Middle East, a military. A defense official says the military shot down another one-way drone headed for Al-Assad Air Base. Uh, You take that in with the Pentagon tally, we're looking at 20 attacks against U.S. troops in just the past 10 days. Yeah, Fox is Rich Edson there. You know, the reality is that most American Muslims are supportive 
of Hamas. And so throughout the first hour of the show, ended up laying the groundwork for what's happening around us and how much has changed in a decade as well in this country. How radicalized things have become and how quickly. Because the facts, they're not talked about. They're not discussed. They're very inconvenient in all of the traditional news media. But even in many circles, even in many of the talk radio circles, you get a lot of folks that are not comfortable talking about the reality on the ground with what's happened with Islam in this country and around the world. So we're having that conversation. In addition to talking about where this whole thing could be going, I'm Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Always an honor and a pleasure to have the opportunity to be with you. I host the Brian Mudd Show from my home station, WJNO in West Palm Beach. You can catch me socially at Brian Mudd Radio pretty much everywhere. And I also encourage you to check out my podcast, The Brian Mudd Show, wherever you get your podcast. All right, so yeah, now that we're weeks into the Israel-Hamas war, you're starting to get some of the contextual surveying about what's going on and opinions of it here at home. And the results probably not going to make you feel so good about some of the folks that are around you, but it really does help explain some things. So a recent survey came out earlier this week from the firm Signal. The eye-opening headline, this was what grabbed me. The headline to their survey, Muslim Americans say Hamas was justified in attacking Israel. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, based upon the survey results, that is not a false or misleading headline from their survey either. And it wasn't the only result that might make you question some of your fellow Americans in this survey either. So about the Muslim American takeaways. First, you have Muslim Americans that are the second most likely of any demographic group in this country, second only to American Jews, to say they are closely paying attention to what's going on over there. The survey found 76% of American Muslims paying close attention to what's happening overseas. Okay, so what that means is this isn't a case of ignorance. This isn't a case where people really are not paying attention to what's going on. They're asked a survey uh, question and and they answer it and it might be misleading because they they just don't really know. No, you're talking about people that are very informed. And on that note, you have at least 73% of American Muslims that say they are informed about Hamas and Palestinian politics specifically, which is the most of any demographic group. In other words, what does Hamas really stand for? Almost three quarters of American Muslims say they are well-versed there. In fact, many say they are experts on the subject. Okay, so it takes us to some of the nitty-gritty, especially uncomfortable details That are revealed in the survey. The leader of Hamas. How do you feel about that guy? The the leader of Hamas. Is that somebody you approve of? Yeah, probably not, right? And as you would expect, fewer than one in ten Americans hold a favorable opinion of the leader of Hamas. Okay, cool. 
But what about the Americans that do hold a favorable opinion? So American Muslims in this survey had a net positive opinion of Hamas's leader with greater than 4% of Muslims, more Muslims, holding a favorable opinion as opposed to a negative one. The leader of Hamas. Incidentally, American Muslims hold a more favorable opinion of Hamas's leader. And for that matter, the, the leader of the PLO. Than any other person or world leader surveyed. I'll repeat because this, I think, is a pretty big deal. The majority of American Muslims surveyed hold a more favorable opinion of Hamas's leadership and the PLO's leadership than any other world leader surveyed. Meanwhile, most Muslim Americans not only have an unfavorable opinion of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, more hold Israel as a country in a negative light than not. Also, the only constituency in this country to hold that opinion. And it takes us to the most questionable, questioned response of all. And that is on the question of whether Hamas was justified in attacking Israel as part of their struggle for a Palestinian state. So that is how the question was worded. Was Hamas justified in attacking Israel as part of their struggle for a Palestinian state? 58% of American Muslims, again, knowing what Hamas did here, agreed with it. Which is what produced the headline to the survey that got my attention in the first place. And this takes us back to a very politically incorrect and, and maybe uncomfortable place, but it is our reality. It's the realization that most Muslims, whether they're your next door neighbor or are waging jihad in the Middle East, are at least sympathetic to Islamic terrorists. Now, what's eye-opening about that, in the first hour, I brought you where we were as a country a decade ago when Pew Research did a comprehensive study of this. And a decade ago, you had 14% of American Muslims that thought that Islamic terror tactics could be justified, which in and of itself, I think is still an eye-popping number. But now we're up to 58%. That's, what ha- that's what's happened from a point of radicalization in a decade in this country. That's why you turn around and you got these Palestinian protests everywhere. That's why you have members of Congress that openly support Hamas. We didn't have that 10 years ago, right? And one of the uncomfortable elements of all this, I think a lot of people on the right have taken a look at members of the squad and thought, you know what? Their constituents are just really uninformed people. The reason that they got elected is that they gave a good song and dance and their constituency really isn't paying attention. And so you, 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 you've got these crazy people, you got these nuts that are in there representing them in Congress. The more uncomfortable thing as you start to unpack some of this, you take a look at somebody like a Rashida Tlaib. It would appear that she is precisely representing 
her constituents' interests with her position. That's what's different over a decade ago. So here we are with that uncomfortable truth. Now, again, I do not have any prescriptive for this kind of thing. Reciprocal hate and bigotry is not the answer. But what I've been ever since I read the Quran in the wake of 9-11 is more aware. And I think that's what's important is being aware, understanding what's real here, not playing footsie, not playing games, not thinking that a two state solution is ever going to be viable because you don't have the people in the other would be state that want that. They want to kill the people in the other state by and large. And obviously, most American Muslims do not see the world the way that most other Americans do. And an NBC news story a few days ago from Muslim population zones in Michigan, the story was entitled, I will never vote Biden. Some Muslim Americans in a key swing state feel betrayed by the president. Now, what I thought was, was cool here, what I thought was really, you know, a, a kind of a rich storyline. NBC went in, did an in-depth report on you know, places like Dearborn, Michigan, some of the real concentrated Muslim populations in Michigan. But they only did it from the context of, uh-oh, this could hurt Biden, right? That's where That was the premise of doing this is, how bad is this really going to backfire against Biden? You know, some support for Israel. <laughs> the storyline they actually uncovered here is the much bigger part of it. See, most of the country, if you take a look at surveys that are out there across the spectrum, Biden is not pulling well among Americans generally on his response. But the reason is, most Americans don't feel that he has been strong enough in favor and in support of Israel. They feel the response has been weak and it's been lacking. But in the case of what NBC found in these Muslim communities in Michigan is that the Muslim backlash is due to Biden expressing any support, any for Israel. That's just a bridge too far for them. So you got a bunch of, you know, these Biden voters, Muslims in, in Michigan that are saying, I mean, there's no way in, in Hades they'd ever vote for a Republican, but they're not going to vote for Biden. So here we are. And now we have on one hand, a survey result from an accredited polling firm. On another hand, an in-depth report from NBC News. And you take a look at these different accounts. And the question is, okay, well, are most American Muslims supportive of Hamas? And yeah, by current indications, both on the ground and a national survey, most are. That's where we are. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin.
I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. As Israel battles with the Iranian-backed Hamas down in Gaza, we are up here against the border between Israel and Lebanon, tracking how Iran is dealing with this whole situation. We woke up to smoke and fire this morning on a ridgeline just about two miles from us. That's where the border is. Wildfires have been triggered by shells launched between the Israeli military and the Iranian-backed Lebanon-based Hezbollah militants. We've been tracking a steady stream of deadly skirmishes. Syria, well, that's just 10 miles to the east of where we are. The Pentagon has confirmed it has struck storage areas there of Iranian-backed militants who hit you. Yeah, Fox is Greg Palcott there. And look, I mean, this thing is getting bigger, right? And Iran, it, it, it isn't just Iran. And you start to take a look at what's happening here. You start to think about the complexities involved, the countries that are involved. And yeah, you, you begin to wonder is... World War Three in the offing. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, as we talk about what really is at the root behind the Israel-Hamas war. This still being about Islam, the politically incorrect conversation that needs to be understood for people to really understand what the motivation is of Hamas, frankly, of the Palestinian people by and large, and most in the Middle East. But then also... What the heck is really happening in this country with so many people that seemingly are supportive of it? And now, where this thing could be going. So, you know, the, the thought of World War III, it's not exactly going to give you the, the warm and fuzzies. But, I mean, you take a look at the news that emanates from around the world day after day, and, boy, it increasingly sounds like there's a possibility we're trending there, right? And that is in large part because of the war that's already been waged for nearly two years in Ukraine. But most of all, something that I've warned of for years, that China isn't just China. Russia isn't just Russia. China is Russia, is Iran, is North Korea, is Cuba, is Venezuela, is Nicaragua. They are all bad actors. They're all aligned with a common mission of knocking the United States and our allies out of world superpower status. And while each of those countries have their own objectives, their alliance presents the threat that any conflict that any one of those countries engages in involves all of the others in a certain extent. And what I really got to thinking about was something that I ended up breaking down on my uh, local show in March. 
March 22nd, I put together a story that said this. So putting bad and worse together doesn't equal better. And that the biggest thing going on in the world right now is whatever the heck happened in Moscow over the past couple of days. Again, this is back in March. Not only did a two-day summit start with Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin stating that they were dear friends, which even for the woefully uninformed should still be enough to tell you that trouble's brewing. And be mindful, the only news that you ever hear coming out of that summit is what state-controlled media apparatuses in both countries choose to reveal. But when what they choose to reveal is alarming, you can only imagine what the real conversation must have been like. So the story started with this friendship of theirs, but it continued with a few keys. And those keys, well, on the first day of the summit, it was reported that both leaders said there were no limits, no limits to their partnership. That speaks volumes. On the second day of the summit, it said that she promised to boost coordination with Russia as they signed a pledge for no economic limits within their partnership. And the talks ended with a report that she invited Putin to China to explore Russian expansion opportunities within the country. And as Putin has said, Russian companies stand to replace the role many Western companies have held within the country. Now, in the grand scheme of things, you know, would I really care if Russian S-boxes are on the roads in place of, you know, like Fords, for example? No, not at all. In fact, I'm far more inclined to have issues with every American company that just sells out to the Chinese. But the more important question is what the heck really happened behind closed doors? Where was all this really going? And that is the bigger storyline here, where this thing is going. This partnership, this summit for March, it took a huge turn just last weekend, and it's interconnected with everything else that's going on right now, including in Syria, where we're responding to Iran. Continue the conversation next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans started just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877 381 3811. Pentagon says it wants to prevent an escalation. That's why they're increasing the U.S. presence in the region. Also, the reason behind those airstrikes last night a pair of F 16s hitting IRGC uh, storage and weapons facilities in eastern Syria. Officials say these targets house munitions that were used in attacks against American troops. Fox's Rich Edson with the report there. And 
programming note for you. The great one. You got a twofer this weekend with Life, Liberty and Levin. Florida Governor and Presidential Candidate Ron DeSantis and Robert Greenway will be with Levin tomorrow. Life, Liberty, Levin, Fox News Channel, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the time that has been for many years, the Sunday night, Life, Liberty, Levin, 8 o'clock Eastern. You're going to have Enos Kander Freedom and Alabama Senator Katie Britt. So make sure your DVR is recording Life, Liberty, and Levin again, 8 o'clock Tomorrow and Sunday, Fox News Channel. All right, uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, as we've been talking about the interconnectivity between the bad actors, the interconnectivity between Iran, which, of course, the Hamas terror attacks, Iranian-sponsored, Hezbollah, they're backed by Iran. And they're also backed by their unholy alliance. So yes, for years I've pointed out that China isn't just China. It's Russia. It's Iran. It's North Korea with little rocket man. It's Cuba. It's Venezuela. It's Nicaragua. All the bad actors aligning together and looking to consolidate together. So walk you back to what I was Discussing March 22nd, coming out of this two-day summit between Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. And taking a look at the implications from this summit. And as I observed, I said, putting bad and worse together. So in the case of Russia and China, them expanding their alliance, putting bad and worse together doesn't equal better. All you got to do is take a look at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And as for where it looked like it was going, A, China has first and potentially exclusive access to Russian energy and grain. B, China will fund Russia's economy through asset purchases. C, Russian companies expand within China, providing additional economic opportunity for the country beyond natural resources and agriculture. D, China decouples from U.S. interests. And picking up on that last one, what had China been aggressively doing for the prior year on the investment side? Well, China had been aggressively selling U.S. Treasury bonds. And what had they been buying? Gold. And they had been doing it while they were becoming even more closely aligned with Russia. While Russia, of course, at war with Ukraine. They've been doing it while they've been engaged in military provocation over Taiwan. And now they have their, quote unquote, limitless economic partnership with Russia. Now, all of what's happened could be a coincidence or it could be that China is in the final stages of preparing for what they'll do next, which would likely be to move militarily on Taiwan. Now, again, that's what I was discussing March 22nd. What just happened this past weekend? Quoting a Reuters headline, in Northeast China, Russian and Chinese firms ink deals from manufacturing to agriculture. So what was discussed back in March, well, that's now been made a reality. Been made a reality. And it's also on the back of China having also directly contracted with Saudi Arabia for additional oil supplies. Leading Saudi Arabia 
to increasingly align itself within this Chinese alliance, which is complicated because Saudi and Arabia and, and Iran do not get along. But you might have also heard that Saudi Arabia recently started to back away from a normalized relationship with Israel, which was brokered as part of the Abraham Accords negotiated by former President Donald Trump. They did shoot down one rocket that was heading towards Israel by Iranian factions. So there was that kind of some mixed messages out of Saudi Arabia right now. But again, they're sending on a direct contract energy to China. So China has locked in direct oil from Russia and Saudi Arabia while decoupling itself from us really paints a picture with everything else that's going on, doesn't it? I'm going to pick up there in, in just a bit. Take some of your calls right now. Let's go to Daniel in New York. Daniel, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for taking the call. Great show. I initially called to, uh, to vent about the unaffordability financially to raise a middle-class family in the People's Republic of New York, but your fascinating conversation tonight. I just wanted to say that in regard to the Palestinians, the name that I understand Arafat adapted, adopted from the urging of the KGB, these people, if their brother Arabs really love them, like as a Christian, Christ tells us what you do for the least among you, you do for me. They really loved them. With all that oil wealth, they would have the finest universities, schools, housing, water, food. It could be a place you'd want to visit. But no, if you keep them poor, uneducated, desperate, you can better mold them as a tool to do whatever you want. And I think that's what we're, witness, we're witnessing right now. Boy, Daniel, I mean, I think that's not only a great observation. I think you're kind of describing the continued dumbing down within this country. You, you know, you talk about the lack of affordability in New York. You, you take a look at what's going on. I mean, how did we ended up, end up getting here, right? In large part because of economic illiteracy. Because, you know, in, in this country, you had people believing that there really could be, you know, free puppies and, and free candy and, and free Biden bucks to go along with those free Obama phones from way back when, right? I mean, everything's just free, 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 free. You, you can just hand it out. You can just print more money. Where does the money come from? It's Obama money, right? I mean, we remember all these things, right? So we have dumbed down things in this country to the extent where the average person is economically illiterate, which, by the way, is not me saying that. If you take a look at the financial literacy studies that come out annually, we have been financially illiterate as a country. Even college graduates, the average college graduate, financially illiterate, We've been this way for a couple of decades now. And so that leads to a place where what can you do? Well, you can end up on one hand, make it look like you're you're doing the bidding by offering the free, 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 free stuff, which creates what? First, more dependency, more dependency, more control, right? More control. It's very much what you're talking about on the other end, but also through a lack of affordability, you, you get it from the other end as well. So. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, uh, you're not what you're saying is not only accurate, but just to kind of tie it into, you know, your inflation point uh, that you wanted to bring up as well. It, it, there's interconnectivity with it. It's why being informed is critical. And we are woefully uninformed in this country. And we have all of the abilities that they don't in many of these Middle Eastern countries due to the abuse of the governments that are in place there, which 
the people in many cases have opted to put in place, including Hamas being voted by an overwhelming majority of Palestinians to be put in power. And one of the things that's important about that in this conversation, you already had one terror-sponsoring organization over the Palestinian territories in the PLO. You had Hamas, which had been a designated terror organization, according to the United States and most countries, since 1997. They had been a terror sponsor for over eight years, recognized prior to being voted in, even ahead of the PLO. Tells you a lot of what you need to know about the Palestinian people, where they really are. Let's go to Joe in New Jersey. Joe, welcome to the show. Brian, how you doing? Uh, doing well. I, I, I want to talk about two different uh, topics. The first one was going back to, to that uh, survey, the American Muslims. Man, if that's not an eye-opener towards our immigration policies here, we better wise up real quick. Yes, sir. And, and number two, number two, we have a problem in our schools. We need to reform our centers of education, like in high school. Let's make the – I know English and history are mandatory. Let's make finance courses mandatory as well. This way, kids learn how to budget their money. They learn how to uh, invest. Uh, yeah, make it – you just recently said the dumbing down of our, our finance policy. We, let's start there on, yeah. on, on that topic. No, look, I, I think uh, you, you make great points, and this has been one of my great frustrations for a while. As we've talked about, you know, education, and and certainly the great one has been one of the preeminent leaders on, you know, the failure of the education establishment and, and how it's led to American Marxism in many cases because it's led by Marxists these days. And and once upon a time, they used to be. You know, afraid to admit who they were. Now they're not, but they have been the educators for some time. And now we have to deal with you know, generations of Americans there. The biggest thing is finding out the people that are persuadable or can still be informed. And it's one of the reasons why I think having these conversations are really important, including the most politically incorrect conversations that we can have, which is the reality on the ground about like, yes, that eye opening survey. It is a really I, I don't take any joy in saying, oh, yeah. of American Muslims support Hamas. I don't like that. It makes me every bit as uncomfortable as it probably makes you to hear that. And then the natural reaction is that people who don't like that, you're just a bigot or anything. No, I'm not, actually. I'm not hateful. I, I really want the folks that feel that way, that believe that way, to do something different. I don't know how you reach people. The problem is, at the point where you think terrorism is okay, I am not the right person to have the prescriptive on on how to fix that. So, you know, and then I take a look at, okay, well, we've got to make sure that, you know, enough people out there are informed, they're at least persuadable, that we don't have 58 turn into, I don't know, 78 or something like that. That's kind of where I operate because when I think back, I've been talking about this ever since 9-11. And, uh, you know, when I first really studied what, what went on with all this, and again, as recently as, you know, a decade ago, you had 14% of uh, American Muslims that thought that, you know, Islamic terrorism could be justified. It was 14. Still an eye-opening number, but now we're at 58. I mean, that's just 10 years. So obviously, we've got some issues that are rapidly, rapidly expanding. And to your point about immigration policy as well, uh, yeah, no doubt, right? I mean, good point. Let's go to uh, Ray in Ohio. Ray, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Doing well. You got me? 
I, yep. I want to really thank you and Mark for having me on. I'm a Methodist lay servant, and um, I'm 72. And uh, Barry Prince was my Bible teacher. He passed in 2003. And I've been studying on what you've been studying, but you you know more than what I know. And I really appreciate what you're bringing up tonight. Well, I, I appreciate you, uh, you you being there and, and the support. And I mean, look, it, it, for me, um, I, I, and I referenced it earlier, it really was an endeavor um, to understand what happened because I was not informed. And I went along with the Bush administration narrative that we would be treated as liberators. And very specific uh, to my situation, I was doing radio at the time in Savannah, Georgia, and and the folks there know the third ID and the role they played. The, the folks who went into Baghdad, who, who toppled those statues, that was your third infantry division out of the Savannah area. And those families, their listeners, you know, their neighbors, friends, and their loved ones going over there and, and fighting that battle under you know, a certain pretext. And then what happened afterwards? And how many families ended up being broken? The, the real implications of the poly. We were incredible in taking out Saddam. Unbelievable. But then the narrative didn't fit. It didn't. We weren't treated as liberators. Things didn't go well. And that was the bigger issue. I'm like, hold on. I, I can't talk to these families on the air. I, I can't see their loved ones come back in, in body bags and not know more. And that's when I realized I had to read the Quran. And that was the eye opener. This is what people believe. And, and then I had to figure out, okay, well, what separates them? And the answer is Sri law, the people who believe in Islamic law. And so then you take a look at that, who that is. And that, that tells you the story. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans started just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. The IDF says it is increasing those ground operations, and we have seen, again, repeated strikes coming out of Gaza. All of this while the country's defense minister said that when this ground invasion does officially happen, it will be long and difficult. You have Gallant defense minister said that part of the process will be entailing and dismantling the vast tunnels that are used by Hamas. Yeah, Fox is Alex Hogan there, and boy, a couple things. As we see what appears to be the next phase, the 
long-awaited ground incursion that could be drawn out for a very long time, the IDF into Gaza. It does appear that a more involved phase of it has begun. But that's not the only thing that's begun, right? So we have seen the increased provocation against us, the uh, series of attacks by Iran against us, against Americans now. And we had the you know little, and we're going to fire a couple of missiles from a couple F-16s into a couple of theoretical munitions facilities in Syria. And, and that'll, that'll show for now. But look, the, this whole situation is not trending well. And it's all interconnected. It's interconnected with Iran. It's interconnected with Russia. It's interconnected with China. And yes, all of that unholy lines, that includes even Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua. So going back to last weekend, Reuters headline, in Northeast China, Russian and Chinese firms ink deals from manufacturing to agriculture. So what happened during a two-day summit, what was discussed back in March, has now been made a reality. This between Russia and China. This is also on the back of China, also having been involved directly with Saudi Arabia. But that's not all. There is another report that hasn't gained much attention. Did you know that the provocation of the South China Sea hasn't stopped recently with Taiwan? Earlier this week, Chinese forces blocked and actually collided with two Filipino military vessels. Blocked and collided with them. It caused a crisis, an emergency session with the Filipino government. They called on the United States to intervene to get their military vessels through that blockade. The U.S. said we would defend them if necessary under a 1951 treaty. Not gaining attention, kind of a big deal. We'll continue this conversation. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
This is about a meeting between President Biden and President Xi. Uh, this is why the president, you know, likely won't come out and hasn't recently come out strongly against China. He's trying to get that face-to-face meeting. Now, a senior administration official telling them that after this uh, meeting with the foreign minister, it's not likely there would be a confirmation of that face-to-face meeting. But the baseline is the two world leaders would sit down at the APEC summit in San Francisco. Now, President Biden juggling multiple conflicts abroad, China connected to all of them in some way. Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, if you're paying attention and you hear that, you kind of think, boy, we're, we're screwed, right? I mean, when you think about the context of where the new Axis powers are trending, where China and Russia and Iran and North Korea with little rocking man, where Cuba, where Venezuela, where Nicaragua, the, Nicaragua, they're all aligned together, where this whole thing is going. And you think... That Joe Biden is the single best hope from it getting there. I mean, that alone makes you think, holy crap, we're screwed. But then you hear the actual policy, right? Because one of the things, objectively, that I do is really hope that he succeeds in moments like this. Like, okay, be the best version of yourself. Whatever that is, just be that. Project some strength. Let's get through this thing, right? He's through strength. I mean, you maybe so. And then what do you hear? What is the policy position? You just heard it. We are not taking a strong stance with China because Joe Biden is trying to get a face-to-face meeting. Which, by the way, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure I want that either. Who do you think wins in a face-to-face meeting between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping? I mean, boy, even if Biden got what he wanted here, I'm not sure that's the win, right? And that makes it all that much more nerve-wracking. Because Joe Biden makes the world less safe. His very existence does as president of the United States. Brian Mudd and for the great one, Mark Levin. I host the Brian Mudd Show from my home station, WJNO in West Palm Beach. You can catch me socially at Brian Mudd Radio, the Brian Mudd Show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, appreciate you uh, connecting with me as well. Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Now, Biden does make the world less safe. And we really got the... Big time example of that August 27th, 2021. It was just seven months into his president. When you think back, the whole Afghanistan situation, it's just seven months into his presidency that everything just utterly collapsed. It's also what it really, when it all really kind of came in focus for me. I went back to my notes from what I said that, that particular day when everything collapsed in Afghanistan because I think some of these even recent historical examples are important in the context of what his management and leadership expectation is right now and also obviously the weakness that was projected with the withdrawal from Afghanistan that's brought all this about I mean objectively Russia doesn't move on Ukraine if Afghanistan doesn't happen right 
And we certainly know if Donald Trump's president, none of this is going on. But hey, still no more Trump tweet, even though he can still no more Trump tweets. That was so much more important, wasn't it? Not having those that those mean, ugly orange man tweets. And the only tweet that's happened is just the mugshot tweet still. But anyway, so I took a look at my notes from when Afghanistan collapsed. And I said this. Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue of the past four decades. That streak is intact. Those words, of course, the words of Obama's Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates. And they rang true once again. And after all, should we really have ever expected the only Obama cabinet member opposed to the raid that took out Osama bin Laden to suddenly start making better decisions because he was president? So in the wake of the terror attack, the Islamic terror attack on the 13 American troops during the BS withdrawal from Afghanistan. Think about what happened in practical terms for all of us. And again, I'm taking you back to my, my thoughts and my notes from over two years ago now when this happened. So prior to a few weeks ago, when was the last time you thought about the Taliban? 15, maybe close to 20 years ago? Oh, by the way, uh, just in, because Islamic terrorism happens every day around, somewhere around the world, uh, the, the Taliban whacked uh, four more people uh, a couple days ago. You know, just because. In the name of Allah. So yes, they're still committing terror. You just don't hear about it. But anyway, Americans certainly weren't thinking about the Taliban for 15, maybe close to 20 years. And prior to a few weeks ago, when was the last time you would have thought about Al-Qaeda? And again, this is going back to 2021 now. It would have been when bin Laden was taken out, which was over 10 years ago at that point. And prior to that happening, when was the last time you worried about ISIS? Well, it would have been about four years prior when Trump finished bombing the blank out of them, right? He said he was going to bomb the blank out of ISIS. And notice how when the U.S. took out the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, their terror attacks on Americans stopped. And did you notice that when Trump bombed the blank out of ISIS, the terror attacks stopped everywhere, including here? Remember how we used to have Americans getting radicalized by ISIS and committing attacks here? That all stopped, too. And all it took was a few months of misguided policy and incompetent leadership. And we've unnecessarily lost 13 American heroes and have untold hundreds, perhaps more, of Americans trapped behind enemy lines. Joe Biden has been rolling on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue of the past four decades, only now he has the power to make the entire world less safe. And that's exactly what he's done in addition to destroying the U.S.'s credibility around the world. Again, these are my thoughts from August of 2021. My expectations for the Biden administration were low. I was genuinely the most concerned for our country that I've been in my lifetime when Joe Biden became president. He's managed to be far worse than I envisioned. From our southern border to Afghanistan, this country and this world is a less safe place because Joe Biden is president of the United States. 
Joe Biden is incompetent enough to be the president of an HOA, let alone the United States. And I think about that because that's why all of this is happening. That's why everything that has been happening has been happening. That's why everything that's going on now is going on now is because Joe Biden makes the world less safe. And it also was the first time that Islamic terrorism reared its head again, right? The Islamic terror attacks on our forces leaving Afghanistan. And look where we are now. (laughs) It's predictable. Predictable. That's why my comments from a couple of years ago almost sound like it could be a current statement given current events. So let's take a look at what's happened since then. Russia invaded Ukraine. China ramped up provocations on Taiwan and now the Philippines. And Hamas has carried out the largest scale terror attack on Israel today. Now, specific to the latest war launched on Israel by Hamas, I'll walk you back to Joe Biden's first direct move to prop Iran and Hamas up. Speaking of things that he did early on in his presidency, most folks won't remember this. This was also critical to what's going on right now. It was May 12th of 2021. Now, I'm quoting the Washington Examiner from that day, May 12th, 2021. More than 40 Republican senators urged President Biden to halt talks with Iran over possible sanctions relief with Israel facing rocket attacks from Hamas this week. The lawmaker said Iran is a longtime financial and material supporter of Hamas, which was a designated terrorist organization by the United States in 1997, and added that lifting or reducing punishments levied by former President Donald Trump's administration, would embolden a regime that, quote, seeks to destroy Israel. Over the past couple of days, Palestinian terrorists in Gaza, who are funded by Iran, have launched a series of rockets into Israel. The senators wrote in a letter obtained by the Washington Examiner, they are targeting Israeli civilians in cities, including Israel's capital, Jerusalem. This is troubling as members of your administration are currently in Vienna negotiating with Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. In light of these recent attacks by Hamas against Israel, the United States should take all steps necessary to hold Tehran accountable and under no circumstances provide sanctions relief to Iran. The United States engaging in active negotiations with Iran and potentially having Billions of dollars in sanctions relief will no doubt contribute to Iran's support of Hamas and other terrorist organizations who attack Americans and our allies. This was all in their letter, the senator's letter to President Biden. They said, we call on you to immediately end negotiations with Iran and make clear that sanctions relief will not be provided. Doing so would demonstrate a firm commitment to our closest ally in the region and to our own security interests. So what was Joe Biden's response? Quoting CNN now, President Joe Biden on Wednesday dramatically escalated his public pressure on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to end 
the fighting with Hamas that stretched into a 10th day. The White House said Biden told Netanyahu that he expected a significant de-escalation today on the path to a ceasefire in the raging violence. The statement was a signal that Biden was losing patience with Netanyahu. So early on, the first few months of the Biden administration, Hamas carried out the deadliest terror attacks on Israel at that point since 2014, when the Obama-Biden administration proved their weakness to the world following the collapse of Benghazi. And Joe Biden's reaction was not to support Israel and protecting themselves against the terrorists. It was to apply pressure to Israel not to retaliate instead. Look at where we are. Joe Biden makes the world less safe. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. We shouldn't be in this situation. The only reason we're in this situation is the continued weakness of the Biden administration ever since uh, he took office. This administration has to go. The world is a much more dangerous place. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. That is Congressman Carlos Jimenez with Maria Bartiromo this morning, and he is 100 percent right. Joe Biden makes the world less safe. Brian Mudd in for Mark Levin as we talk about really the origin of Islamic terror and understanding that what we're dealing with is about Islam, but the much bigger picture, because, yes, Iran is sponsoring Hamas, is sponsoring Hezbollah and is you know, the tip of the spear with what we are dealing with, with the Israel Hamas war. It doesn't stop there because Iran is Russia, is China, is North Korea, is Cuba, is Venezuela, is Nicaragua and all the weakness of Joe Biden from the day that he became president has worked to this moment where, I mean, hold your butts here because this next year is going to be going to be tight. I mean, we really do kind of have to thread a needle. You have all these bad actors that are acting very badly right now. And you get the sense they have a sense of urgency to take advantage of the weakness that exists with Joe Biden as president. So getting through this next year plus is, well, it's going to be tough. You know, I was just talking about the real precursor to what is, is happening right now with Iran, with Hamas, with Israel. It actually started with what Joe Biden orchestrated after a massive Hamas terror attack in May of 2021, just months into his presidency, when Hamas and Iran were already testing Biden's weakness. And he blinked. Biden negotiated with Iran. He negotiated with them originally. The first sanctions relief took place around then. He called on Israel to not retaliate, to engage in a ceasefire after a horrific terror attack. And we know what happened most recently. The the most recent negotiation that took place with Iran that we're aware of. It was the six billion dollars, right? It was the six billion dollar prisoner you know exchange deal. The Biden administration let uh, let the funds loose, let Iran gain access to those funds, and and then in theory maybe they're on hold, maybe they're not. Who the heck knows these days? But anyway, the Biden administration blinked again. 
And they treated all of us like morons, saying that the funds could only be used for humanitarian aid. And what happened? I mean, the thing was, two days after, because this also does not typically get reported in this country. You know what the Iranian mullahs did two days after the prisoner exchange, the $6 billion prisoner exchange? What they usually do. They all got together, cheering and and chanting, death to Israel, death to America. Now, again, this is prior to the Hamas terror attack, Iranian-sponsored, in Israel. But they were telling us, death to Israel, death to America. Two days, two days later. So, yes, Joe Biden's weakness, his incompetence, he makes the world less safe. But his direct actions do as well. And they have every single title. What Robert Gates said, he's been wrong on every major foreign policy decision the past 40 years. Only now it's 50 years. And now he's the freaking president of the United States. And this is what we deal with. So, yeah, I mean, if it was your stated goal to aid Iran and Hamas and their agenda, what would you have done differently than Biden did leading up to where we are today? Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin. You've heard of Lady Liberty? Well, this is Mr. Liberty. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. We're going to bring forward a uh, standalone Israel funding measure over $14 billion. Is but it's $14 billion be- enough? That, well, Israel's requested a little less than that, actually. The White House did uh, by way of Israel. And $14.5 billion specifically is what we're looking at. Yeah, new day in the House of Representatives for sure. New House Speaker Mike Johnson with Sean Hannity, Fox News Channel last night. And you hear that there's going to be the standalone spending bill. What a what a concept, right? Well, we could actually do like a intentional spending bill where it's not a $100 billion plus catch-all to where there's no accountability and Joe Biden can just ship money off all over the world and have some of that maybe end up in the hands of Hamas and Iran, for example. Huh, what a concept. Got to like what you, you hear and what you see so far from Mike Johnson. Pretty impressive guy. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, speaking of the great one, he's going to be back on Monday. Uh, but in the meantime, you don't have to wait that long to catch him. We've got a double header for Life, Liberty, and Levin this weekend on the Fox News Channel. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock Eastern time, you have the great one with my governor and presidential candidate, Ron DeSantis. He's uh, also going to have Robert Greenway on the show. So again, Life, Liberty, Levin tomorrow, Saturday, 8 o'clock Eastern, Fox News Channel. And the time that has been there for many years, the Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern show with Enos Cantor Freedom and Senator Katie Britt. So make sure you go ahead and hit that DVR, record both of them. Don't miss any episodes. Plus, you would want to anyway. All right, so I've been talking most recently about Joe Biden making the world less safe. And one of the things I don't like to do is just sit there and go, holy crap, we're all screwed because Joe Biden is going to be president for like another 14 months. So what happens now? What Biden did not let happen in May of 2021. We need to let Israel do what needs to be done. And let's say for a moment that your next door neighbor is a really hateful person with a large hateful family who has publicly declared that you and your family's destruction is their stated goal in life and that your house, your property, it it all really should be theirs. 
And I know it's not the happiest thought, right? But then again, what's behind this hypothetical question is obviously anything but a comfortable situation. So let's continue. Let's say that you have a large family get together at your home. And the aforementioned neighbor brutally attacks members of your family in unimaginable ways, takes others hostage. What would the appropriate response here be? What's the appropriate end game? Is there any scenario under which you would think that it could possibly be acceptable for that neighbor to, say, remain in place? Just kind of live freely after that? If justice isn't served inside of a couple weeks, maybe you should just give up pursuing it. Go back to, yeah, just living your life like it never happened. The purpose of that obviously absurd and really unpleasant hypothetical analogy is that it's anything but hypothetical for Israel, obviously. And it's anything but hypothetical for thousands of families. Since 2006, a designated terrorist organization, Hamas, has led the Palestinian territories. In talking about Hamas, I think any reasonable person understands how bad they are. But I actually want you to hear their charter. In 1988, their founding charter stated, and I quote, the Islamic resistance movement is a distinguished Palestinian movement whose allegiance is to Allah and whose way of life is Islam. It strives to raise the banner of Allah over every inch of Palestine. Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before it. Palestine is an Islamic land. Since this is the case, the liberation of Palestine is an individual duty for every Muslim, wherever he may be. The day the enemies usurp part of Muslim land, jihad becomes the individual duty of every Muslim. In the face of the Jews' usurpation, it's compulsory that the banner of jihad must be raised. So-called peaceful solutions and international conferences are in contradiction to the principles of the Islamic resistance movement. Those conferences are no more than a means to appoint the infidels as arbiters in the lands of Islam. There is no solution for the Palestinian problem except by jihad. Again, that's from the founding document of Hamas. There is no such thing as peace with these people. And again... The Palestinian people, 75%, 75% are behind them. They were voted overwhelmingly into power originally by the Palestinian people. It's a false narrative that the Palestinian people are victims. About a quarter of them statistically are. The rest of them asked for this, wanted this, and are overwhelmingly still behind this two sides of stories one side of facts and they know exactly what they have done here with hamas let's go to rick in florida rick welcome to the show hi uh Brian. how are you nice talking to you thank you for taking my call i had the pleasure of meeting you at the little scott event in west palm beach you know the call oh. we've chatted for quite a while it's great appreciate it um i was i was um I want to make a couple of observations. The first being that I think we really, I'm, I'm actually Israeli, I think the only way to really avoid uh, World War III, a cataclysmic World War III, 
is for the United States to send a nuclear uh, bomb into Iran because I think that will cause the Russians and the Chinese to think twice. And I think it will, um, uh, and, and I think it will give the Israelis the space that they need to wipe up Hezbollah um, and, and Hamas. And um, it will um, it'll give the uh, Saudis an out from dealing with the Chinese and the Iranians. Um, unfortunately, I think that's really the only, the only thing to do. The other observation I want to make, I don't know if you saw this piece in Breitbart, it was very troubling, was uh, Joshua Klein wrote a piece, um, yet in today's Breitbart, where by apparently in Houston, there are columns of children being indoctrinated, uh, being wearing Revolutionary Guard outfits, Iranian Revolutionary Guard, wearing allegiance to the, to the, um, to the Ayatollah. Um, and I thought I, that, well, that, to me, that shows the an even that's an even bigger failure than uh, than anything that's been going on. Yeah, no, yeah. Appreciate the uh, the call, Rick. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, the the radicalization has happened here in this country. And early in the show, I shared, you know, statistically how significant it has happened just within the past decade. It's meaningful. Yeah, in terms of what you're talking about with Iran, I, I don't know there are good answers. I mean, bombing Iran as a preemptive measure directly, the, the, the question is, I mean, the, the question is, do you have a direct response from Russia, from China? Do all the rest of them hop in? One of the bigger issues in the here and now specific to Iran outside of their sponsoring of terror is uh, there are reports they could be within a few months of their first nuclear weapon. And boy, I mean, you know what happens at that point. And so there are going to have to be some real thoughtful decisions that are made very quickly here about what the best way is to navigate that situation with them. In terms of projecting strength, I'm going to finish with this thought here in a moment. In the here and now, the single best thing I can think of is letting Israel do what needs to be done. It's letting Israel do what needs to be done. Because if we let Israel get in there and they obliterate Hamas, they do whatever it takes. We do not put pressure on them. They wipe out Hamas. They fend off Hezbollah in the meantime. If they can do that, that level of strength being projected will be significant. It'll be significant. Because what Iran wants to do is they don't want the war to come directly to them. That's why they sponsor it all over the place. That's why they sponsor Hamas. That's why they... They sponsor Hezbollah. That's why they sponsor uh, you know, terrorists all throughout Syria and you know, all throughout the Islamic world because they want to keep the fight off of their ground in particular. There's so many questions that come into play there. And another part of it comes down to energy as well. And that's a whole other ball of wax. Remember that we are relying on, on OPEC for energy once again. We're relying on foreign sources of energy once again. And what happens in the energy markets if you then go directly after Iran? And how does that disrupt that? How does that impact prices stateside? 
it gets complicated and awful fast. There are no easy answers to this. But Israel being able to do what they need to do, even though Joe Biden makes the world less safe, Benjamin Netanyahu and company, they could make the world safer by projecting the strength that they no doubt want to project here. That is very important right now. Let's go to uh, Stuart in New York. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, The reason I'm calling is to let you know that the Dems are not just killing the country, they're killing New York. In New York, they have machines all over the city, across 61st Street on every single avenue, and 34th Street all over, Canal Street, by every bridge and every tunnel, in order to take the picture of your license plate and control traffic in New York City. And by doing that, People will not come in anymore and pay $25 every time they cross 61st Street or every time they go from east to west. They will stop coming into shows. They will stop coming in with their families for restaurants. They will stop coming in to go to museums and walk around the city. They don't need New York to spend $300 to have their pictures taken by a controlling group of Democrats, a a, a governor who has no brain and a police commissioner who thinks he is a brain. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, there, there's no doubt that we we are seeing uh, the impact of the wish list policies uh, on display. I mean, major city after major city, what you're describing, not uh, not in a good place. Blue state city, blue states, blue cities, and and blue states. I mean, you take a look at the impact, then you take a look at you know some of the. Not just red state, but red state cities. You know, one of the things to take a look at, my home state of Florida. You don't hear about this kind of nonsense ever in Miami, do you? You have a major city, happens to be led by a Republican in a red state. You don't hear about this nonsense even in some of our blue cities. So like, for example, you've got uh, Tampa and Orlando that are led by Democrats. The reason you don't hear about it is you had Soros prosecutors that got elected in those cities. But DeSantis, when they decided they were not going to enforce the law and try to pull the kind of crap that you're talking about that leads to what, you know, a lot of what you're, you're describing has, has produced, he got rid of them. Uh, he, he said they broke the law, he got rid of them, and he's won those challenges in court. That's the difference with real leadership. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mark Lovin. I call them the core principles of American conservatism, but it's really the core principles of America itself. We're different. We're exceptional. The reason we're the freest, most powerful, most successful nation in the history of the world is because that's what we stand for. And those values and those principles are under assault right now. And we have to defend them here every day with everything we have. Yeah, that is the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson. Again, he's with Sean Hannity last night on FNC. And yeah, I mean, first impression's really positive. Really positive. You know, something I was just talking to Mr. Producer about that is my read on the situation. In a universe in which Donald Trump is Donald Trump, which is the blessing and the curse. Trump is is going to be Trump. There is a lot of great that comes with that, and there's a lot of the not-so-great that comes with that. 
But with him being the personality that he is, with him being the figure that he is, there is something with the contrast with having a Republican leader like Mike Johnson that is just so practical, just so seemingly down to earth and level headed and presents himself that way, right? It's extraordinarily disarming. And one of the really fascinating things to see is how quickly he has been able to eviscerate the narrative about him. Right out of the gate, as soon as it was clear that he was going to be House Speaker, the news media was out to just destroy the man. He tried to overturn the 2020 election. He is MAGA on steroids, evil MAGA, whatever, Orangeman Republican. Okay. And then you listen to the guy. (laughs) He, He doesn't come across that way at all. I mean, regardless of his policy positions, even he's able to defend them in in such a pragmatic way. You know, Hannity asked him all the things that the leftist media was taking him to task on abortion. You know, he's he's an extremist on abortion. But he said, we're not going to take that issue up when I'm House Speaker. And, oh, yeah, he's crazy uh, when it comes to to, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus IA uh, apostrophe ampersand issue. We're not going to be taking any of that up as House Speaker. Here's what we're going to be addressing as House Speaker. Really smart guy. Really great and smart guy. And, you know, kind of tie up what we've been talking about with what we're dealing with being about Islam, but also being about the reality of the new Axis powers, where Iran is, Russia is, China is North Korea with Little Rocket Man? Is Cuba, is Venezuela, is Nicaragua, as we could be trending towards World War III and all this? I think back to the crazy man with the nukes. And I think about not just how much safer the world would be if Donald Trump were still president, but how much safer the world will likely be when Donald Trump is likely president once again. And it goes back to some of the conversations from 2015. I remember talking to some folks on the left, and there it was the crazy man with the nukes. I mean, how could you ever trust that guy with the nukes, right? And the conversation was pretty simple. It's like, okay, let me walk with you for a moment. Let's say that Donald Trump really is the crazy man with the nukes. If you're a bad actor around the world, and you really think that Donald Trump could just, on a whim, lob a nuke in your direction, does that make you more or less likely to want to do something that might piss him off. What do you think? So any way you look at it, the crazy man with the nukes makes the world safer. And getting to that point, man, we need to get there as quickly as possible. Hey, a reminder, Democrat Party hates America. Get your copy today. Been a pleasure. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin.